0: We left the book of Judges with um pretty sad state, didn't we? Uh, whole world falling apart. Um, what are we going to do? We're turning our backs on God. We're, we're running this hoop of life over and over and over. Uh, fired up for God at one minute. Totally cold the next minute. Worshipping idols. Um, so... I, I have been. I don't mind telling you, this is going to be kind of, um, kind of cool for me. Um, in, a, in the late 1970s, I heard a message from Isaiah chapter 21, and I have never, in all my ministry, preached out of that passage until today. But it made such an impact on me because I can remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, we, had, um, we had gone to Atlanta. Dr. Vines had moved down to Mobile, had come back to Atlanta and preached. And so, anytime he got close, we, we had the opportunity to go hear him. And he opened up to Isaiah chapter 21, and he talked about the, the coming darkness. And I can remember his outline. And his outline was that we are living in a midnight of mystical darkness. Uh, we are living in a midnight of moral darkness, and I couldn't help but think, if I was as I was going through there, um, just thinking about that message all of these years, and just watching at our age, in my generation, watching us see this downward movement of our world, and for all practical purposes, the uh, the diminishing of the importance. Of our Christian life. About how I have seen some turn. And go in a different direction. Who for so long they 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 were effective. And they preached and they sang. And they witnessed. And then all of a sudden they decided just like we've seen in our world. With some of our more modern day worship leaders and pastors. They are denouncing their faith. So. We began looking at, David has done such a great job uh, teaching on Wednesday nights on this matter of prophecy, especially out of Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39. Talking about the things that are coming, the end times um, uh, events that will take place. I'll I'll pick up this week and we will, I'll have a couple of messages. uh, One of them specifically on how end time prophecy is directly Attached to the Old Testament covenant, starting with the covenant of Abraham, God keeping a promise. And then the second message will be on what I believe may be even a a bigger sign of the second coming of Jesus than even the regathering of Israel, and that is the falling away. And I'll be talking about that on Wednesday and then we'll go into, and I'm not y'all y'all look, the churches, the scenes in heaven, we're going to start in chapter 6 of Revelation. We're going to talk about the judgments, the bowls, the trumpets, the seals, all of that stuff. But the fact of the matter is, as I said this last week, here's what you have to be cautious of. Because if Jesus were to return tomorrow, that means we're living in the tribulation right now. And we're not. Uh, so, so those of you who are more concerned about when Jesus will return... You better start being concerned about when he will return for his church. Uh, Jesus is coming for his saints, and then he is coming with his saints. The coming for his saints is going to take place first. So, you know what? We're seven years closer than a lot of us even think. But as we look at this, this, this same thing was going on. Assyria had, um, had become pretty prominent, and they're They're attacking Babylon. Assyrian Babylon are kind of going back and forth with each other. And and people understand that if Assyria wins, then it's going to mean doomsday for everybody else around. At least in the Babylonian Empire, they they had some semblance of some kind of civility. The Assyrians did not. The Assyrians would sweep in like locusts and just clean and pick everything in its path and destroy everything that was out there. And so God gives Isaiah a, a command. It's found in chapter 21 and verse 6. He starts out by saying to him, here's what I want you to do, Isaiah. Go station a watchman. I, I got chill bumps, David, when Wednesday night you mentioned that we all need to be watchmen. And I thought, oh, David doesn't know why I'm going to preach that Sunday morning. Go, go set yourself a watchman. Now, now, the Lord has spoken to Isaiah because of this, and, and, and there are going to be questions. But I, I want to take this and do a more topical uh, sermon today for you. But I, but I want to talk about what, what a watchman is, the duty of a watchman. Um, go station yourself a watchman. Let him declare what he sees. Okay? And then just go over to verse 11 with me just for a minute, because it says there is an oracle of Duma. Duma was just a, a, an area... Uh, really around the Syrian area uh, that way. And uh, Seir, S-E-I-R, was a mountain. And so, and so you have this, this oracle, this, this message coming from Seir, from, from the, mountain, the mountains of Seir into uh, asking this question about this area that's about to be under attack. And, and I like the way that this translation puts it. Now, the King James Version says, Watchman, what of the night? Okay? This translation says, Watchman, how far gone is the night? Okay? And, and, and basically, he asked them that twice. Now, you, now, the picture here is you have this watchman. He's on this wall. Someone comes from the outside, and they call out to him, How far gone is the night? What's going to happen? What, what are the implications of what we're seeing in these rumblings? And here's what the watchman says, and here's a word to all of us. The morning is coming, but also the night. I can hear Dr. Vines just as plainly those years ago saying that the watchman says to them, It's dark, the morning's coming, it's dark, but it's going to get darker. Now, folks, let me tell you something the world is in a mess, but it is going to get worse. And the good part about us being watchmen, or or the watchmen here, is that we're not supposed to get so all caught up with everything that's going on that we lose focus on what the most important things are. We, We as a church, we as a group of believers in Jesus, are walking out into a very dark world. And we, by the way, are the only light in that world. You are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill can't be hid, but neither do men light a candle and put it under the bushel. But he puts it on a, candle stand, uh, a candlestick so that everybody in the house can see it. Are you light in this dark world? Are you, do you have a message of hope for a lost world? This man does. As he comes to him, he says, what of the night? What's going to come? And here's what he says. The morning comes, but also The night. If you would inquire, inquire. In other words, here's what he's saying. If you're going to do something, you better do it now. I don't mind telling you over the last year whether you have felt it, whether you have heard it from me, whether you've seen it in my face and my expressions or whatever. But there is an urgency that is moving me and my soul right now to say, listen... We don't have a whole lot of time left. People are dying and going to hell every day. And we see them and we know who they are. And so he says to them, this watchman says to this person who's calling out to him, if you're going to inquire, inquire. Whatever you're going to do, you better do it now. I will just say to you even now, if you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus as your Savior, but you've been thinking about it. You better do it today. You better make that decision today. Because time is slowly, slowly running out. Now, I don't know whether you believe that or not, but the fact of the matter is, it's what the Bible teaches. So if we believe the Bible, then we have to believe that, that the Lord is coming. There's going to be signs of His coming. We have seen some of those signs, not all of them. We'll be looking at some of them on Wednesdays the next month or so. But the fact of the matter is, is ladies and gentlemen, we are living in times of urgency. We can't be watchmen who stand on a wall and and, and see danger coming and don't say something. Uh, Ezekiel is probably one of the best books in the Bible as it talks of this matter of of being a watchman. Um, God will say to Ezekiel, and Ezekiel will say, And the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Set a watchman. Set on the wall. I think it's chapter 33 of the book of Ezekiel that says this, and and here it is, ladies and gentlemen, here it is. A watchman's responsibility is to, and we'll look at some of this, is to warn of coming danger. If I stand in this pulpit and I preach a health and wealth gospel, or I preach a feel-good kind of gospel, then I'm not being true to the Word of God. If there's danger, and there is, and I fail to blow the trumpet and warn, Ezekiel 33 says, if those people die, their blood is on my hands. If you know somebody who doesn't know Jesus, and you know they don't know Jesus, and you believe deep down in your heart that the Lord is coming, that judgment is coming, and we don't warn those people of the coming judgment, then the book of Ezekiel says, If they die without being warned, their blood is on your hands. Okay? Kind of like Pilate. I'm innocent of this man's blood. No, you're not. No amount of wishing, no amount of hoping, no amount of of, of, of praying can change the fact that we are to be watchmen. We are living in dangerous times, and we must be the clear call to 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 our nation, to our friends, to our families, that this stuff, as it deals with who Jesus is and what Jesus has done and what is coming, is very, very serious and very, very important. And you do, and I, let me just say to you, you said, Well, I don't have a, I don't have a I I don't have a, a platform. I don't teach a Sunday school class. I don't, I don't do, here here's what here's what you do. You have a family. Men. Listen to me very carefully. You are to be a watchman in your family. You are to be a watchman to your wife and to your children. Women, you are to be watch women, I guess. Children, you're to be watch children. If you know Jesus, we talked about this in Sunday school. That if you know Jesus, you have been baptized into the Holy Spirit. You have received the gift of the Holy Spirit Trace it throughout the Bible. The work of the Holy Spirit, or when this Holy Spirit came on people, they became witnesses. So you have a responsibility. We, have, we all have a responsibility to be watchmen. So against this backdrop of war and certainty upon the nation of Israel, God commands Isaiah to assume the role of a watchman. God has called us to be watchmen. Now, let me just give these to you really quick. Those of you who are taking notes, I'll give these to you if you want to write them down. I've got seven things right here that qualifies you to be a watchman. A qualified watchman believes these seven things. Number one, that you must have a spiritual experience with God. You must have a spiritual experience with God. Number two, you must have a spiritual calling from God. Now, now, now look, you go, well, I haven't, well look, if you've been saved, you've been called. Okay? So you've had this experience. We are called to be witnesses. We are called to be watchmen. We are called to, 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 to talk about the impending and the coming judgment. Number three, a watchman understands that the message is God's message. It's not our message, it's God's message, okay? So we have this spiritual experience. God has called us to be part of this great kingdom-building enterprise, and God has given us the message that we are to give, and only His message, okay? Number four, we understand that we must develop the courage to share that message. I know, I get it. I'm, I'm introverted myself. I get it, but the fact of the matter is, is that sometimes we just have to build up our courage and just tell the truth. So, number four, courage to speak the message of God. Here's something else, and here's where we miss out, okay? Here's where we miss out. Whether you teach, whether you sing, whether you minister to your family, whether you stand in the pulpit and preach, here's the deal, ladies and gentlemen. Here it is. You must have the same feeling about the message that God has. Think about that for a moment. How does God feel about this? Are, 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 are we as urgent as God is to get that message out? You've got to have the same feeling about the message. Here's another one. And here's kind of where I think I'm moving. You've got to understand the life-saving urgency of what God has called you to do. There, there is a life-giving urgency to be one of God's watchmen. And then number seven, you must deliver God's message in God's way and at God's time. Okay? Y'all with me? So, so all, of us, all of us can qualify to be this, this, this watchman. Now, I want to get through this. I want to talk about, first of all, the watchman and his mission. The watchman and his mission. This is what the Lord says to me. Go post a lookout. Have him report what he sees. Being a watchman, just the message is, what do you see? Now, here, here is the whole thing of a watchman. A watchman, um, there, there, were, there were walled cities. Jerusalem had a, had a wall around You can go there today. You can go to the Western Wall. You can see the original wall as it's still there. But it still has a wall around to this day. Ancient cities had walls. And ancient cities had men who would stand on those walls, and he would, he would cry out day and night. Look with me if you would uh, over. Well, we didn't look at these verses. Look at verse 8 of chapter 21. Then the watchman called, Oh, Lord, I stand continually on the watchtower in the daytime, and I am stationed at my guard post every night. The mission of a watchman is to be where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. Now, the watchman did one of two things. He stood on the wall, and if he saw danger coming, it may be through the glistening in the sunlight of spears or the cloud of thousands of marching soldiers but he he knew what to look for and when he when he saw danger coming he warned the people on the inside of the gates and they would come in and the people that were outside would run in and they would close the gates and they would fortify themselves they would get ready and so he was to his mission was to do what he was supposed to do, when he was supposed to do it. These cities had the protection of the wall. They had the protection of the watchmen that patrolled the walls. He stood on the wall. He kept watch over the surrounding countryside. If the enemy was coming, he knew it, and he called out to prepare. We we see this a lot of times in movies that we watch when we'll hear the phrase sometimes, all is well. Or we might hear to arms. I'm here to tell y'all this morning, I'm here as your watchman to say to arms. You have to arm yourself with the Word of God and with the Spirit of God and with the confidence that comes only through God because there is a war coming. It is here, it is on us, and to ignore it is stupidity or lack of concern. I'm not sure which one. He is to. Watch. He gets up on this high, lofty perch. He can see things coming. And the Bible says here, "You are to look, you are to see. Station a watchman, let him declare what he sees. Don't make something do to make something up. Just, just tell what you see. You are to watch. He is to warn. The same thought is seen in Isaiah chapter 58 and verse 1. Listen, where the prophet Isaiah is told to cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgressions and the house of Jacob their sins. We are to cry out as believers, as watchmen, when we see danger, but at the same time when we see transgression and sin. And we're to call it what, we, what it is. It's just, it is what it is. It is sin. It is sin. It is sin, it is transgression, it's missing the mark, it's crossing the line, it's violating the law. could be all of those things. But we are to watch and we are to warn. We need people of discernment, listen to me, who know the Word of God. You say, well, how important is knowing the Word of God? You know, our preacher, I'm going to tell you something. There are two things that must be present when a soul is saved, the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Now, can the Spirit of God work? Outside the word of God? Absolutely. But typically that just don't happen. You're not responsible for the results. God is. But you are to be the instrument, you're to be the vessel. The 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 enemy is doing everything it can to invade a church, the church, our church, all churches, and lead us down the wrong path. He wants to countermine our theology. With this mentality that Jesus is a good way to heaven, but he's not the only way. He wants to dilute our worship. He wants to denigrate our Bible. He wants to sully our reputations. He wants to quieten our witness. And guess what? He can't do that unless we allow him to do that. The enemy is doing everything he can to destroy the home and destroy the family. I've forgotten the meaning of submission and obedience. Husbands and wives have no concept of faithfulness and fidelity. They regularly renege on until death do us part. I don't know how many times Lee and I have had the conversation when we were talking about somebody And we would say, where where does till death do us part come in? It doesn't mean anything. It's just words. The enemy's doing everything he can to subvert our schoolhouses. We're not teaching people in college anymore. We are indoctrinating people. God's book is off limits. Our children are forbidden to pray. Many schools today, and we, we, we did this once before, and I know, because character education became a big thing. And I was the, the, in charge of that character education curriculum when I was still teaching. But the fact of the matter is, the best character education we ever had was when that homeroom teacher would get a Bible out and read the Bible and pray with us every morning. We don't allow our schools to do that anymore because of who we might offend. We're taught that God's a myth. We, we, we talk about Him being someone from our repressed past. We're told that we evolved from a single amoeba formed in this pool of slime. Or all of a sudden this big bang happens. And here we are. What, what, what was the old... Once I was a tadpole beginning to begin. Then I was a frog with my tail tucked in. Then I was a monkey in a banyan tree. Now I am a professor with a PhD. <laughs> PhD, y'all know what that is. He's doing everything to destroy our community. People outside the walls, we, they don't want to be bothered by the thoughts of God. They don't want to be bothered with the will of God and God's Word. One writer said, The cry from the lost world is rising ever louder as they demand freedom from God's laws and even from God Himself. Even in our own chambers of Congress, in God we trust is being taken off of the walls. Listen, folks, I'm going to tell you something. You can take that off the walls if you want to, but that doesn't change the fact that He is sitting on the throne in heaven today, and He is in control. You don't erase God from anything. God will erase you. And we need to start understanding and and, and being urgent about that. Away with the Ten Commandments. Away with right and wrong. Away with morality. Away with Jesus. Away with the Bible. Away with Christianity. Away with the cross. And even in our own court systems, our judges are giving them exactly what they want. Number two, the watchman and his methods. The watchman and his methods. He was vigilant in his watching. He saw. He hearkened diligently with much heed to what he saw. He was vigilant in his watching. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 tells us that we are to be sober and to be vigilant because our adversary, the devil, Walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You have an enemy that wants to eat you alive. I'm serious. And, and the, word, the word sober there is very interesting. It means to be calm, become and collected in spirit. In other words, don't, don't, you know what? Don't let it shake you. Because greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. We've got something greater, far better than what's being doled and dished out to us. The word vigilant means to be watchful. We're not to be disturbed by the events around us. We are always to be watching. He was vigorous in his watching. He was vigorous in his warnings. When this watchman saw trouble approaching He didn't keep the message to himself. Listen, we got the greatest news that the world's ever heard. If you had a family member who had Alzheimer's, which a lot of us have, who had Alzheimer's and someone came up with a cure for it, would you not tear the world apart trying to get that to that family member? And there's something coming that's far worse than Alzheimer's, ladies and gentlemen. It is eternity separated from God. We got the cure for that. Why do we want to be quiet about it? When the watchman saw trouble approaching, he didn't keep the message to himself. He opened his mouth. He shouted out the warning for all to hear. He told everyone within earshot that trouble was coming. Here's the last one real quickly. The watchman and his message. This, this is prob- this probably, b- beside, the, b- beside the just being urgent, we, we've got a message. He, so in verse 11, he says, he calls out of seer, watchman, how far gone is the night? Watchman, how far gone is the night? The watchman says, the morning comes and also the night. If you will inquire, inquire, return, come. The watchman and his message. Now, when he asked this question, there, there is some speculation as to the interpretation of the question. Okay? Let me just give you three of them. One, some say that it's a question of a careless heart. Well, what's, what's coming? How dark is it going to get? They believe, there are some who believe, that it is asking a voice of sarcasm the questioner not really caring if he receives an answer or not because he doesn't plan to change or prepare what's coming. So this sarcastic part of the night. There are some who say that it may be a question born out of contempt. The questioner may be saying to the watchman, I know what you think you see, and I hear what you say, but I don't believe a word of it. And I won't heed your warning. You're going to get some of that. You're going to get some people that look at you and they're just going to go. (laughs) Yeah, okay. you know that's, That's what you believe, that's fine. But that's not what I believe. There are some who say that it may be a question from a concerned heart. The questioner might be asking, tell me, is everything all right? When will morning come? Is there any hope? Regardless of the condition of the heart that's asking this question or that gave birth to this question, the watchman has a threefold answer. And, and, and I want to say to you, it's an, answer, it's, a, it's an answer for believers, it's an answer for non-believers. And, and it's an answer for all of us together. Number one, if you'll notice he says, how far gone is the night? And he says, the morning comes. Now, as your watchman this morning, I'm saying to you, look, you know, what? I know it's bad. I know we've painted an ugly picture. But I'm telling you, one golden daybreak, Jesus will come. One golden daybreak, battle's all won. He'll shout the victory, break through the blue. Some golden daybreak for me and for you. Morning is coming. So you know what? We don't have to fret about what what happens here, what happens there. We don't have to fret about what's coming. If we know Jesus as our Savior, there's going to be a golden daybreak one day when Jesus is going to return. And let me tell you something. It will be day from now on for all eternity. You ever think about that in heaven? There's not going to be any night? You say, well, look, I don't have... I don't, I I just don't, there's not enough hours in the day for me to get done what I need to do. I'm going to tell you something, there's going to come a day when you ain't got to worry about hours. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more. You don't have a watch. But I will tell you this, and I never, I never, I never thought about this much. We used to sing a little song that says, every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Did you know that when you get to heaven... If, let's just say we go today, tomorrow's going to be better than today, and then the next day is going to be better than that day, and the next is going to be Think about that for a moment. When we have lived a million years, that millionth day is going to be better than the one before it. You know what? It's going to take us that long just to get to know God, right? It's going to take us that long just to figure out who God is, and get to know Him better and better. And every day there's going to be more knowledge, and every day there's going to be more and more and more. Listen, there's some days, you know, as a believer, we don't think we can stand anymore. But the Bible says we will all be changed, so God will have to do that to take care of us, right? The morning's coming. By and by, when the morning comes. i got these old hymns on my mind today. I don't know why. When the saints of God are gathered home. We'll tell the story how we've overcome and we'll understand it better by and by. Listen, you may not understand it all now. You may not get it all now. All, all, listen, all you need to know is Jesus died for me. And you know what? All the Bible says we have to do is believe that. What must we do to do the work of God? Believe on the one whom God sent, Jesus. See, man, that's all I have to do to be saved. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's it. That's it. That's it. You don't have to do anything. It's all been done. My friend Dr. Vine says, when you come to the place in your life where you know that you're a sinner, you're lost without hope, and your little toe wiggles one moment, one, one little t- twitch toward Jesus, I'm going to tell you, Jesus comes. You don't have to understand it all. You don't have to get it all. The fact of the matter is, though, there's one thing you've got to get right, and that is what is your relationship with Jesus. I'm going to tell you something else about a watchman. I've said this multiple times. I don't want to stand before God, and God will look at me and go, Did you come by yourself? A watchman is concerned about bringing people with him. So he says, okay, uh, the morning's coming. But there's also a warning for those of you who don't know Jesus. He speaks of the coming dawn, but he also speaks of the coming doom. Do you remember Jesus even in his own words said to these wicked, unfaithful servants, throw them out where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. where the fire is not quenched, and where the worm doesn't die. Now look, we're going to look at some things. We're going to look at some things in the book of Revelation. I'm going to tell you what. that will It'll curl your toenails. The seven sealed judgments. And then it gets worse. And then it gets worse. Read the book of Revelation. it will scare the living daylights out of you. But the fact of the matter is, hell will be worse than anything that goes on during the tribulation period. I'm talking about... Utter darkness. You, you think it gets dark sometimes when the sun's not out and when the moon's not shining and the stars are not out there. Throw them out in darkness. In utter darkness, the Bible called Utter darkness. But you know what the interesting thing to me is? is even in the book of Revelation when all this is happening, the Bible says they still would not bow their knee to Jesus listen the dumbest thing the dumbest thing you'll ever do in this life is not receive the call of the Holy Spirit to be saved and I would be I would be remiss if I didn't tell you that if heaven's real then hell is real and that Jesus talked more about hell than he did about heaven you know why cuz he don't want anybody to go there this coming doom i'm telling you you're headed for a train wreck that leads into outer darkness he speaks of the coming dawn he speaks of the coming doom he speaks of decisions Decisions. You see what he says. Return and come. It's kind of interesting, right there, because what he's saying is, and he's speaking to this guy who's who's calling. So, so, so let me just kind of give it this way. What's the what of the night? How dark is how dark is the night getting? Well, if you're if you're away from God, or if you don't know God. Then, then return to the captain of your salvation and then come back and I'll give you some better news. That's kind of, it's, really, that's kind of what it's saying right there. Return and come. It's a time of decision. Every time the gospel is preached, every time someone opens the Bible, there's an opportunity for you, if the Holy Spirit is present, to be saved. But let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. I have heard I've heard I've heard this conversation so many times. Well, I'm going to live just like I want to do, like I want to. And if that's true, then at the last minute right before death and I I'll, I'll be saved. You don't get to pick that time. John says the spirit Jesus says to John, John, uh, Nicodemus, the spirit blows where he wants to blow. The Spirit does what He wants to do. You know what? It blows. We feel the effect of it. We don't know where it's coming from. What are you going to do if you feel that way that you lose consciousness and you don't have that opportunity? What then? I'm going to tell you all something. We got into kind of this conversation this week. There are Listen, there are some denominations out there that, that teach that you can lose your salvation. I'd be so afraid. I would be so afraid that I was die in some kind of sin unconfessed and, and not go to heaven because of that. Well, i got better news for you than that. If you will confess your sin, say the same thing. The word confess there is a Greek word that means to say the same thing. If you'll call it what God calls it, it is sin. Don't sugarcoat it. Don't don't try to make something up to soften the blow. It's sin, whatever it is. If you'll confess that sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you of that sin. And then there's a present tense word there, and keep on cleansing you from all unrighteousness. Because the fact of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, my salvation doesn't depend on me, and my losing my salvation doesn't depend on me. It depends on him. It's not not the grip that you have on God. It's the grip that he has on you. And the Bible says, and I will give him eternal life, and he will never perish. So let me ask you a question. Do you know Jesus? Jesus? Have you been saved? That's a good Bible word, y'all. Saved. S-A-V-E-D. Saved. Don't be ashamed of that word, because that's what God does. He saves us. And if you're here this morning, you've never been saved. Listen, what a great opportunity. If you will inquire, inquire. Whatever you're going to do, you better do it now. Because they didn't know during this time when the Assyrians would overtake the Babylonians, we know that they did. We know the Assyrians came in, just annihilate everybody around them, and some of them didn't even have a warning that it was coming. Did you know that there's some of you sitting here listening to me this morning who may not even wake up in the morning? What then? What then? I promise you it's going to be too late then. It's going to be too late. Don't wait too late. Don't, 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 don't put off. Don't put off the most important thing that could ever happen to you. If you're here and you've never been saved and you want to be, I'm gonna tell you this is a safe place. These people love you, and I'm gonna tell you what, they will celebrate with you, and they will pray with you, and they will love on you like you've never been loved on in your life. You will be welcomed into a family. You will have a family, and guess what? We will all be in eternity together forever. There's some of you who you're sitting down on the wall right now, You're taking a rest. Listen, I'm telling y'all, we'll have time to rest, just catch your breath and go. Catch your breath and go. Some of you need to get plugged into our church. Some of you have been visiting for a while, and you've been thinking about joining our church, but you, you don't know what to do. You know what? Just come take me by the hand. Tell me what you want to do. We'll take care of everything else after that. Now, here is a really good thought. We've talked about this before. This altar is just a symbol of coming to and saying to God, you've done it before, now do it again. Just do it again. Just wake me up. Give give me that energy back. Give me that zeal. Give me that enthusiasm again. Let me see your glory. The fact of the matter is, when you see the glory of God, it changes you, and you're never the same. Some of us just need to be reminded what we were and what we are. Are we going to make mistakes? Sure. Absolutely. Every day, every moment of the day. That doesn't change the fact, ladies and gentlemen, I'm his. I'm his. And his, being his means I have died to self. Put this old man to to death, I'm now living by and through this Holy Spirit that he gave us.